0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. So, um, this morning... We got a. We had to call an audible yesterday. Um, Aaron was slotted to preach. I'm sure he had an amazing sermon for us, and um, and then he found out he had COVID. So he called me yesterday, and um, and asked me if I could preach. And I said yes because there's nobody else. So, (laughs) you know, what what are you gonna do? Um, And but you know the lord he's he's sovereign over these things he not like he was shocked uh it's not like he didn't know this was going to happen so um i am very confident that that he has plans uh, for you today for those of of you that are at home watching online i know that um that he has plans that that he 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 meant for this to happen and um and in fact, He's been teaching me some things, putting some things into me this week that uh, I didn't know would, would become a sermon. There was just the stuff that I was learning myself and studying myself and, and digging into. And so um, may, may the Spirit teach us today. May He imp- impart to us some truth, some, some give us some food, right, so that we can go away from here full and encouraged. Um, let's pray and uh, and then we'll see what, what comes out of all this. Yes, Father, we um, we've come here because we believe it's worth it. That you're worth it. That life is actually all about you that the universe and everything in it that everything that is exists because of you and and for you and that you might be put on display that your glory your grandeur your goodness your beauty your magnificence that it all might be put on display And You've spoken. Lord, You've spoken through the Scriptures. You've spoken through the prophets. And in these last days, You've spoken through Your Son, through His life, through His his teachings, through His sacrifice, through His death and burial and resurrection. We see the glory of Your grace through Your Son, Jesus we worship him we do stand in awe with all creation as we look upon the empty tomb you came lord jesus and you conquered death you defeated our greatest enemy death you swallowed it up by your life ah The sting of death is gone. And you impart life. You give life by your life. So Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ, you are here. Would you move among us freely and and in power Would you enlighten us and illuminate our understanding and give us revelation in the knowledge of the truth? We ask it in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, um, today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. It's a day nationally recognized, where we, where we pause to consider the value, the, the intrinsic value of image bearers of God, of human life, from the womb to the tomb. And um, we pause to also just shine light on the The evil of abortion. Um, This year marks 49 years since Roe v. Wade uh, when abortion was legalized in our country. And in in 49 years, some 60 million babies in the womb have been killed. 60 million of the most innocent, the, the, the most helpless among us. Have, have been killed in the womb. And I understand that um, some of you maybe carry the emotional and maybe even physical scars of an abortion in your past. Um, I want you to know that there's grace for you. There's grace through Jesus for our abortions, for our adulteries, for our stealing and and lying and hating god and hating neighbor there's grace for all of our sin um for those who bring our sins to jesus he's there with open arms to to forgive and and to to give you another chance and to cleanse you um but I want us to be a people who are who love life. The Lord, He, our our God, He's the giver of life. Life and light come from Him, and it begins at very the very beginning, in, in conception. It says in psalm 139 we don't have the scriptures for the screen this morning because i finished my sermon this morning so um i apologize for that so there is going to be some flipping around but um but that's okay psalm 139 and starting in verse 13 it says for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb According to God's word, which is true, um, God fearfully and wonderfully makes life in the womb. He sees life in the womb. He loves life in the womb. And so I want us to be a people who would stand with and advocate for all of the, the most vulnerable in our society and especially in including those that are unborn Um, I've been asking myself the question how does a nation get to this point how do we get to a point where we um, we literally shout our abortions we celebrate death we uh, love death in our nation um, and embrace it and, and there's a, a culture of death. How does how does a nation get to that point? And and what's the message for us today? What, what's the message for for the church today? Um. And I and I think what where we need to start is to see what is behind a culture of death. What's behind a nation's spilling innocent blood and not thinking twice about it. What, what, is, what, what produces that? And the very thing that produces that is in me. And it's in every one of us. Uh, sin produces death. And that's my first point. And I want us to start here. Um. So in the beginning, you may be familiar with the story. God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in a paradise. He puts in the middle of the garden, this garden paradise, a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he, there's many trees in the garden, wonderful trees with fruit. And he tells Adam and Eve, you can eat of the fruit of any tree, Except this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. If you go against my my command, you will surely die. And um, Adam and Eve choose to go against God, they choose their own way, they choose themselves and and they eat from the fruit of. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the curse of sin falls upon all of the earth. And the very next story tells us that Adam and Eve have kids. Cain and Abel. And we're meant to be on the edge of our seats waiting to see how is this sin going to affect the story. How how are the the offspring of Adam and Eve going to be impacted by their rebellion against God, by their sin. And here's what we find out. It says, um, starting in Genesis 4, verses 3 through 8, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, but for Cain in his offering, he had no regard. He did something wrong in his offering. We don't know the details. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And then it says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Next verse, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So the very first story after the, the fall of humanity is this one. And In this story, what we find is a warning. God giving Cain a warning. Cain, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. It wants, it wants to rule you, but you must rule it. He doesn't rule it. It comes in, and then he kills his brother. And here's what we see that we can also see in other places. That sin produces death first in us, and then through us. Sin begins its work of producing death inside of us. So before Cain commits murder, before he produces death out here in the world, death is being produced inside of him by this thing called sin. This, this thing called sin, it's not just an action. It's more than that. It has desires. It wants. It wants to rule. And we find this to be true when we look in the book of Romans as well. If you want to flip over now to the book of Romans. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So we're after Acts, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 13, Paul's talking about the effect of the law. And, and, and he says, did that which is good, he's talking about the law, did the law then bring death to me? By no means, it was sin producing death in me. Sin producing death in me. This is what sin does. Sin produces death. It produces death first, in us and then whatever it's producing in us will manifest in the physical realm as well produces in us and then through us Um, again just to reiterate sin is not just an action it's more like an a force of evil Um, it has a life of its own It says um, in Romans 6, if you just look back a page or so, Romans 6, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sin has desires, we saw that. Sin has passions, and it wants to make you obey do you see that? It wants to make you obey. So sin is more sinister than we think. It's, it's, it's more, more deadly than we think, more powerful than we think. It's active. And so to invite sin in, it, it, it's, it's like an animal. <laughs> it's crouching at the door. To, to allow sin in, to embrace sin is going to produce death. And that brings me to my second point, which may seem a bit obvious, but bear with me. I started preparing yesterday. <laughs> um, when we choose sin, we invite death in. When we choose sin, we invite death in. Um, keep your finger here in Romans and flip over to James. Chapter One James One and verses fourteen and fifteen tell us this each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Here it is again. Sin brings forth death. When we choose sin. This is talking about how that happens. This is James is talking about how that occurs. We are lured and enticed. So you could think of it this way. That we are invited by sin to embrace it. There's an invitation given. Embrace me and I will give you Joy. Satisfaction. Life. That's what the invitation is. Sin is making. I I, I will give you what you're ultimately wanting and then we embrace it. We choose it. And little do we know that we've let death in. We've invited death into our souls. Like Leprosy. It's producing, it's killing the flesh wherever it goes. It's killing, it's destroying. Flip back over, hopefully you kept your finger in Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, in verse 5. It says this. While we were living in the flesh... Our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Our sinful passions are at work in us to bear fruit for death. So when we choose sin, this is what we're doing. Why is that? Well, I think, I think it's because sin is the rejection of God, right? When we sin, we're rejecting God, what He said. We're turning away from Him. And God is the source of all life. He's the life giver. When when we sin, we are separating ourselves from the source of life. And when you separate yourself from the source of life, you get death. Um. So sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, according to the New City Catechism, like that definition. When we sin, we reject life. And so a culture that rejects God and embraces sin will become, inevitably, a culture of death. Because as death is produced in us, it will manifest out of us. When we embrace sin, death is produced in us. Death is produced in our homes. Death produced in our relationships, in our communities, in our nations. And that's... that's I start there because I want us to see how, how serious sin is. Sin produces death. When we... Invited in, we are we are literally inviting death into our lives, into our souls, and it will not remain stagnant. It will grow, when we don't put it to death. The second sort of half of this message is um, I want to look at the alternative, and the alternative is Jesus so if you're taking notes, point number three is that Jesus produces life. Jesus produces life. <clears throat> Sin produces death. Jesus produces life. We're going to look in, J- in John a bit. So if you want to flip over to John, around chapter five, we'll be in this area. John chapter 5, and verse 21, Jesus says this. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. And then verse 26, listen to this. For as the Father has life in Himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. What does that mean? I I want us to understand more fully what what he means by that he has life in himself. Oftentimes, Jesus will talk about, and in this section of John, he'll talk about eternal life. He wants to He wants to give. He's inviting people to come to him that they may receive eternal life. What does he mean by that? What is this life that he's talking about? It is more than heaven. We we oftentimes think of eternal life as being life after the life here on this earth. It would include that, that life with God. But it is far more than that. Life is his life. It is the partaking of his very life. And we receive his life through relationship. It says in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. John 17, verse 3, he says, And this is eternal life. Oh, okay, he's going to give us a definition that they know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is a relationship with the living God. That's eternal life. So when does that begin? The moment the relationship begins. his life refers to the purity and power and vitality that courses through Jesus' veins. So just like sin is more than just an action, life is more than just heaven. Just as sin produces death, And it is a force, a dark force of evil. Life produces life and righteousness. And it is a bright force for good. It is the very life of God. And here's the thing that has been blowing my mind afresh this week. He puts that in us. He puts that in us. (laughs) Listen, this is the way that Paul puts it in Colossians 1 and verse 29. The way that he kind of describes it. Colossians 1.29, he says, He says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. How does Paul accomplish what Paul accomplishes? Does he toil? Yes. I toil. Does he struggle? Yes. Struggling. But how does he accomplish what he accomplishes? With Christ's energy, powerfully working within him. In other words, Christ's life. This is the way that that he puts it in another place. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up no longer my life it's his life at work in me do you see do you see this sin is this dark force that has desires it wants to rule you it wants to kill you it it wants to produce death in you and death through you and then there is this alternative Jesus comes to give life, to to offer life, to produce life in people. And He has desires. And He wants to produce what? Fruit in you. Sin wants to produce fruit for death. Jesus wants to produce fruit for the glory of God the Father. Sin wants to steal and kill and destroy And Jesus comes and he says, I want to put my life in you to empower you to live a supernatural life. His energy powerfully working within us. It's incredible what's being offered. And so, what do we do with that? This is my fourth point. And I hope you won't shut me off at this point because it's about to get practical. Very practical. Point number four, choose Jesus and invite life in. Now, that's, I'm not talking about the moment that you hear and understand the gospel and you and you turn to christ you repent of your sins and you turn to christ in faith and you believe in him and you're born again his spirit's placed in you his life is implanted in you now that's the first step okay and if you haven't done that turn to christ turn to him and receive life Go to him and let him take your sins upon himself and absorb the penalty for them and give you forgiveness and new life. That's the first step. But what I'm talking about here, choose Jesus, I'm talking about for every single one of us today. Moment by moment, you actually have the opportunity to partake of his life. This is... Okay, so I gotta, I gotta tell you something here. So I've been telling you stuff. I know. <laughs> tell you something else. So um, a few days ago, I was reading a book with the boys, and um, finish, We finished reading this book and uh, prayed together. I was crying out to God. I said, God, I want you to revive me revive my heart pour out your spirit upon me without measure pour your spirit out on our church i was crying out to him i got up from there i went downstairs um, to get a snack because i am intent on not losing weight even though i'm trying to right now so, so eat right before bed it's good good move so I'm downstairs, and, uh, and, I'm, try- and I'm, I'm getting a snack, but, I'm, but my mind is elsewhere. I'm thinking about this book that I've been reading with the boys. It has all these cool gospel pictures in it, and I'm connecting dots. I'm like, oh, whoa, that's incredible, and I'm thinking about all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the Lord interrupts my thoughts, speaks to me. What he says to me surprised me. Um, He said to me, out of the blue, he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's they that bear witness about me. That's John 5, 39. And I said, what 's that Lord He <laughs> said so you search the scriptures, thinking that in them you'll find some piece of wisdom, some some insight, right some key, some secret key that unlocks that gives you the the victory over your sin that you're looking for that gives you the answer that you're looking for and you're stopping short of coming all the way to me. And he said to me, the scriptures are meant to bring you to me that you may have life. It was a very loving rebuke. He showed me that um, this is what I've been doing. I, I've been I study the the Bible a lot, good bit. I'm a pastor. That's what I'm supposed to do. It's my job. Um, but that I can come to the Bible and dig right into it and never go to Jesus. And he said. You won't get life that way. But if you come to me, if you let this book be a road sign that leads you to me, and you come all the way to me, you'll get life. I want to give you life. Produce life in you. And that's where this whole study began for me earlier this week. I started just digging into John chapters 5 and 6 and 7. And Jesus is talking in John chapter 5 about His relationship with the Father. He says um, in, in John five nineteen, "...Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing." whatever the father does that the son does likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and this is this is the context when he says he says and and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel for the father raises the dead and gives them life so also the son gives life to whom he will to whom he will This this is the context. Jesus is talking about his co-labor with the Father. Jesus does nothing of his own accord. He says it again multiple times in John, another time in, in verse 30 in this chapter. I can do nothing on my own. He's saying that he is constantly depending upon and leaning into and drawing from the Father and seeing where is the Father at work and then getting in on it and hearing what is the Father saying and then speaking. And that's exactly what he says in, in chapter 12. He's going to say the same thing. The Father tells me what to say. <laughs> and and so, he's, so he's talking about this relationship with the Father, The life of the Father flowing through the Son. The works of the Father being worked through the Son. And and then he makes this statement, you search the Scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life and it's they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. That you may have life. come to me that you may have life. And he makes this invitation over and over again. He talks about he, he talks about in chapter six, how he is the manna from heaven. He is the, the bread from heaven, the bread of life, and those who feed on him will receive his. Life into them. He says in, verse, uh, in, in John 6:35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He goes on and says in verse 37, all that the Father gives. Me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Do you hear that invitation? He will never, ever turn away one who comes to him. So I've been, you know, it seems like all of the best revelations from God are the simplest things. So this week, I've been just trying to do this, to to flex this muscle of the turning to Him in the middle of my days, all throughout my days, going to Him, hearing His invitation in the middle of this thing that you're doing, come to me. Come in and partake of me that you may have life right now. Just as sin offers an invitation and says, let me in and I'll give you what you want, but actually it comes in and produces death. Jesus is constantly giving an invitation. Turn to me, come to me, Right now, turn to me and I will come in and give you life and produce life in you. We, ah, there's so many sermons in here, but as you go on in, the, in, in John, I mean, he's going to explain to his disciples, he's, he's going to say to them at the Last Supper that, look, right now I'm saying these things to you because I'm with you but I'm going away and then I'm coming back to you. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm actually going to return to you. And he's talking about what? The Holy Spirit is going to be given to them. So like just how I'm talking to you right now and teaching you, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit who's going to come to you and he's going to keep on talking to you just like I've been talking to you. He's going to teach you just like I've been teaching you. It's actually better for you that I go away because, because right now I've just got 12 of you guys that I'm discipling. When I go away and send my spirit, I will not be bound by space and time. I will be inside you and millions of people. That's what he did. That's what the new covenant is about. Jesus filled people. People who have the spirit of Christ in them. Teaching them. Counseling them. Leading them. Instructing them remind, he says, he says, he will remind you of all the things that I've said to you. You have to go and look that stuff up yourself. John 14, a lot of that stuff. So this is the invitation. Jesus is saying, come to me, and I will give you the life of God. You, you, will, you will have the life of God in you every time you come to me. How do we do that? How do we do that? This morning, as I was washing my hands, I was like, okay, well, I'm done with the sermon, but I need a way to help like give some handles to this Lord. How, how, does, how do we do this? And he gave me an acronym, FYI. FYI, we can remember that, right? Here it is: Focus. Yield. Instructions. So how do you, in the middle of your day, in the middle of work, in the middle of washing dishes, the middle of getting dressed and ready, driving down the road, talking to a friend? How do you, in your day, how do you come to Christ that you may have life? How do you do it? It starts by shifting your focus. There's so many verses that talk about this. I had to, you know, I was washing my hands. I couldn't think of that many all at once. Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 6 says this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. There it is. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So how do you start? It's a shift of your focus. What are you focusing on? Another way of putting it is, what are you looking at? Because the scriptures say that as we behold him, we are transformed into his glory from one degree to the next. Or it says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. We run the race. So, so the first thing is a shift of your focus. Turn your attention. There is no worship without focus. Focus you you cannot you cannot worship him if you aren't thinking about him you're not setting your mind on him so to set set your mind set your mind on things above not on the things that are below so this is the first the first step we shift our focus to him we set our minds upon him second secondly we we yield yield. So going back to John chapter 5, I noticed this very important verse. As he's talking about, Jesus is talking about how he lives his life with the Father, connected to the Father, and receiving from the Father, and hearing from the Father, doing what the Father's doing. He says this in, in 530, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There it is. Christ was not just, he didn't just yield his will over in the garden. He lived there. This was his perpetual posture. Not my will, but yours, Father. It's only because he lived that, in that place all through his life that he could have possibly done what he did in the garden don't you see we have to practice the yielding up of our wills in the small things so that we can do it in the big things so we yield we 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 turn our minds we we focus our minds on christ and then as an act of the will we yield we say not my will but yours you may not feel it that's okay it's an act of the will i choose to lay my will down I want not my will but yours and then thirdly instructions instructions now here's where having turned our eyes to Jesus away from earthly things setting our minds on the things of the spirit and yielding our will to him now now we listen now we listen for instructions. Where do I get that from? Exactly what I was talking about just a minute ago. He has given us the Helper to be with us forever, he says. Look at John chapter 14. Look at um, John 14, 16 through 18. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, knows, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now, who is this, this Helper, the this Spirit of truth? Next verse, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus Himself. It is His Spirit. And so now you listen. What are you saying, Lord? He he says in here, verse 25 and 26, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here in that moment, we trust okay, you have given me your Spirit, I am yielded to your will. I'm setting my mind on the things of the spirit. What do you need to say to me? What are my instructions? and And, and most likely, he's going to speak to you a verse, a scripture, a truth. He's going to remind you of something that you studied one time that morning or Three days ago, he's going to bring to remembrance what he's already said to you. Or he's going to teach you right then how to apply a verse that you had stored away, tucked away in your heart. He's going to pull out his powerful, living word and he's going to speak it to you a, a rhema word, a, a spoken word in the moment that applies to you in your situation. And it's a supernatural thing when he does it. In Matthew chapter 10, i got to wrap it up. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples uh, ten nineteen. he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak, what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit in you will tell you, will speak to you through your own thoughts what you are to say in that hour. Now, if He will speak to us in a situation like that, will He not in all of our situations? And so we turn our focus, we yield our wills, and we wait for instruction. And when we do that we are inviting Christ in. Or rather, we are going to Him to receive from His life. And His life will produce in us, in one place he says, rivers of living water will flow from your heart. His life will be produced in you and just as sin, when it produces death in us, then produces death out of us, so too, when Christ produces life in you, he does so that it would produce life through you to the world around you. And so, church, how do we choose life? We choose life in a culture of death by. Yes, by advocating for the unborn, by standing with the most vulnerable. We also choose life every single time we turn to Jesus and receive from his life. Let's pray. Lord, giver of life, living bread, living waters, (laughs) we come to you. We come to you, Lord Jesus. We turn to you now. We we turn and set our minds on you now. Lord, right now, we, we choose to lay down our will. Maybe there's something right now in your life that you need to lay down, the Lord's putting his finger on something in your life, somebody in here that you've been clinging to. You've been clinging to it, that it would happen in this way or that your way. And he's wanting you to yield right now. So would you yield to the Holy Spirit right now? Yield to his will. Say, not my will, but yours be done. And then we wait. Wait lord we wait for you to speak holy spirit helper counselor friend lead us your word says that all who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god daughters of god may we be led by the spirit of god Lord, write a story with our lives this week that we could never write ourselves. Do things in us and through us that are evidence of your life in us. Produce life in your people. Pour out your spirit upon your people. Give us revelation, Lord. And then produce life through us in the world around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.